When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, Kules. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga in the Spanish capital. In today's show, Ben Hayward joins me as we review yesterday's Clásico, where Barca lost their fourth straight Clásico, third under Koeman. And after another, as newspaper sport put it, impotent performance, Barca lost 2-1. to one. Before we get into the breakdown, just really quickly, I just want to talk about the fitness of this team. As I'm recording, the news just came out that Pedri is going to get an MRI, and it looks like he's going to be injured or out longer than we thought. And Frankie de Jong is going to be missing this week in action as well. And again, watching the match yesterday, one of the things that I think Barca is lacking is pace of play and fitness. And we're seeing with these mounting injuries and longer rehab stints that there's something as an issue with this fitness team. Again, I was watching the Liverpool-Manchester United game, and I know it's hard to compare Liverpool because they are one of the top teams right now in Europe. But one thing I can always count on is Jurgen Klopp has his teams always fit and ready to run. And I think Barca is lacking that. We saw at the beginning of the first half that they were able to press for quite a, you know, quite a while, 15, 20 minutes or so, and also in the beginning of the second half. But I think we are lacking this team mentality of pressing even further and having more uh, speed as a whole. Now, I know the team isn't the fastest on paper, but I feel that if you can maintain a higher intensity for longer, it will press the team that you're playing against to make more errors. And this team of Barca needs to find any advantage they can to create more opportunities. As we saw in yesterday's match, our attack was pretty, as sports said it, impotent with the, the amount of shots, especially with Dest missing that open one. And in these big matches against these big teams, we have to be more solid and we have to use our talented players to their advantage, and that is to get them more fit. Now, some quick Barca Talk announcements. Like I said in the last show, we updated our website, so check that out at barsatalk.net. There you can give a review of the show. You can sign up for our Patreon. You can sign up for our newsletter. You can also leave a voicemail which I hope to play in the future for episodes. So if you have a question or comment, it's really easy. Check it out and leave a voicemail. The other thing, really quick, if you want to get more content from us, join our Patreon. It's only five bucks a month. During yesterday's match, it was really awesome because Mariana was sharing photos and videos of her uh, point of view in the, in the press box at the Camp Nou, which was awesome. And also just the banter we had during the match. You know, it's it's one of those things, like I always say, if you want to talk Barca, there's always someone on the other end to respond to that. The link is in the show notes. Now, after the break, 
Ben Hayward joins me as we dissect this impotent performance by Barca. So first, I want to talk. I saw on your social media that you attended an NFL game in London recently. How was that? I did. I did. First um, American football game I watched um, live. And yeah, I enjoyed the experience. Obviously, it was at Tottenham as well. Um, and the reason I went was I, I met with some friends in London and they were going to the game. I wasn't intending to go, but um, I had the chance to go because uh, one of my friends couldn't make it in the end. And I enjoyed the experience. I didn't understand um, <laughs> everything that was going on. And, you know, I also thought it's a lot of stoppages. I guess it's, it, it's it's not what I'm used to uh, watching um, regular football and uh, what we call football and, and other sports. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the experience. Definitely. Yeah. Before the pandemic, I was able to go and it was the first NFL game in Tottenham, the new stadium. Mm-hmm. And it was the Bears game. And I went and it was an awesome experience. But like you said, ever since I've moved here, the stoppage of play is really difficult to watch with American football. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's just a long game, but it was an awesome experience. It was one of the best experiences I've ever had uh, attending a match because there were so many people from all over Europe, essentially, Americans, expats, sure. that were coming together to watch the game. So that was a lot of fun. Stadium is incredible, isn't it? It is. It is. It was super comfortable. And also, I remember I, I went with a friend of mine and he was able to order beers with the app that they had there and he just kept coming. And it was just like, yeah, it was incredible. So, but one of the things with, with American football that we um, usually talk about American football is the difference between average and good and good and excellent. And that becomes with situational coaching, these micro minutes or micro situations that happen in American football, especially when there's stoppage of play, you can think about these ideas, but in football, it's a lot more difficult because there is no timeouts. There is no stoppage, but what I want to kind of dissect a little bit about the counterattacking defense of Barca because when I've been watching football, especially this season, I don't know if Barca has one of the worst counterattacking defenses in Europe because I feel that every time they play any team, the other team looks as they're going to score. And if we saw yesterday, Alaba scores that goal. Is it something that do you think Barca just really needs to specifically work on or is it just the teams that they're playing and the high press is going to lead to these type of counterattacks all the time? It's an interesting question, Gabriel, and it's something that I've, I've thought about recently, but also over the years. Uh, and if you look back, the way that Barcelona play football, they're always going to be vulnerable to this kind of uh, quick counterattacking uh, style. And that's why I guess that's what makes the Clásico so fascinating as well, because we have this, this clash of styles uh, which has, has changed a little bit over the years, but it essentially um, remains similar to this day. You know, we saw it even in the game yesterday, Barcelona with slightly more of the possession, or, although not so much as, as perhaps they would have had you know years ago. Uh, and Real Madrid, you're doing damage on the counter attack, and, and this is what Barca struggle with. You know, they they play with that that high line. Um, Obviously, Piquet and uh, Garcia, in this case, also Longley, they're not the quickest. They're not quick uh, central um, defenders. So they're, um, they're going to be vulnerable to, to, to pace and to quick attacks. And Busquets as well, you put him in that situation, it's, it's not his his ideal game. So they're always going to be vulnerable, I think. Um, yeah, are, are they worse now than they were before? <laughs> I think I think it's. It, I think the whole team, uh, you know, has... Um, has gone back, has regressed, and uh, and then so you notice it more 
maybe than you would have done because uh, perhaps in years gone by they would have won this this game four two or 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 whatever. Um, you know they they definitely dominated uh, over a long period in classical clashes. But this is something we've seen in Europe. You know the struggles against Liverpool, against Paris Saint Germain, and and the big clubs in Europe. Uh, and yeah, they've been hit essentially on the counter attack, and it, it remains a problem. And it doesn't look like it's one that that Koeman can solve. And his record in the big games probably highlights that as well. Yeah, it's it's one of those things, especially too on the on the replay, watching how the players react. I just feel like they're they don't know what they're doing. They're just running back just to run back. And to me, that kind of shows the lack of discipline of how to defend the counter. And I know it's difficult, you know, especially when you are giving up. 40 yards on a high line, right? And especially if Vinicius Jr. is running down that line, especially someone that's faster than you. But again, I thought, you know, looking at the lineup, I thought Minguesa was going to have a better performance because I thought he was a better defender than Sergio Roberto, for example. But time and time, he got caught out on long balls, which to me is unacceptable because if I'm, you know, looking at Barca and trying to scout Madrid, I'm saying the first priority we have to do is stop the counter with Vinicius Jr., right? And I just felt they never closed down on him and also just being caught over the top. What did you think about Minguesa's performance? Obviously, he got subbed out at, at halftime, but did you think there was this kind of rookie mistakes or was it just more of just like his positioning? Because as you said, Barca plays such a high line. I think it's a bit of both. I think he got torn apart, didn't he, at times by Vinicius. And obviously, Vinicius is very talented. Uh, he's very difficult to play against. And PK and others have struggled as well because he's so unpredictable. He's, he's, he runs at you, um, you know, a great dribbler, and he makes things happen. And I think, to be honest, any of the players you could have picked in that position probably would have struggled if you put Dest uh, as, a, as a right back as opposed to further forward, I think he would he would have had difficulties as well. Sergio Roberto also, so um, yeah, it was Minguesa, and he's I guess uh, also less experienced. And it didn't work out well. I mean, uh, Barca uh, had big problems down that side, and they had Minguesa and Dest. I think Kuman did that deliberately. He he doubled up because he knew that Vinicius would be a threat, and yet even with with two fullbacks down that side. Uh, they had no no answer to um, to Vinicius and to Real Madrid's attacks uh, on the you know down the left hand side. Bas was right, so uh, it was a big problem, wasn't it? It was, I guess, no surprise that that Alaba's goal came down that flank. Yeah, and and it's one of those things where, as a defender, and I don't care in whatever sport you play, when someone is faster than you, you always want to tend up to give up space so that you can anticipate and so forth. But I just feel that our defense continually gives up too much space to players and they can't close fast enough, especially on that almost penalty call that Vinicius had. I mean, Vinicius was a monster in the first half. I mean, as much as I haven't been a Vinicius uh, believer uh, last two seasons, essentially, he's definitely come into his own and he's become a better player this season. I want to talk about the Alaba goal because I think that's a microcosm of this defense. You know, Memphis gets the ball. He loses at the top of the box and Alaba takes it, right? And goes coast to coast, essentially. There's no foul given. The The lines ran by Barca were just out of chaos, essentially. And also the way Memphis did not pass Alaba off. Like he just kind of gave up on the run. I think this is a microcosm, but also that take by Alaba, I didn't know he had that in him <laughs> to have that shot. Yeah, no, the incredible finish. And um, yeah, it was it was a quick counter-attacking move. And as you say, a microcosm of, of perhaps Barcelona's problems in, in, the, in that area. And 
Yeah, maybe similar to to, to goals uh, Madrid have been scoring against Barcelona kind of over the last decade. Um, just just with you know, winning the ball back, uh, you know, on the edge of the area, quick break. If Barcelona players can't get back in time, and boom, it's a goal. I mean, it, it's very difficult to defend against, uh, particularly the the way you know if you play the way that that Barca play. And yeah, Memphis losing the ball, and then it, it happens so quickly. But Alaba. That was a some finish, as you say, and uh, obviously he's replaced Ramos, and I think that showed that um, you know of the two key uh, absences in this classical, it was before the game we were talking about it's the first classical you know without Messi for fifteen or more years, and the first one without Sergio Ramos. You know, Alaba comes in uh, and does that, and um, and you know defends pretty well also. And uh, and Barcelona without Messi, it's just uh, it's just a, a lack of ideas, isn't it? So um, yeah, a great goal, and um, in the end, it was a game that was d- d- defined by moments, wasn't it? Because um, Sergio Dest had that wonderful chance to to open the scoring, and if that goes in, it's it's a different match, one 0 Barca, and he he really should have buried it. Oh my God, I was screaming at the at the at the TV on that because. To me, that's just an easy left foot poke, you know, because of the way his body position was that. And like you said, sure. it's a, it's about these moments, right? And, you know, before the match, I was talking with friends, and I've also said this in a previous podcast, you know, obviously in these big matches, it's about chances and conversions, right? And like you said, Des had this opportunity. Ansu had two chances, and I know they weren't the best chances, but also Memphis had another chance, and they were unable to convert, whereas Madrid had, you know, on that one counter, Alaba was able to score. My my contention is with Memphis's play of late. Uh, I feel that you know, he he broke out at the beginning of the season. We talked earlier in the season about uh, his early performance and having those early goals, but I think he's kind of come into a little bit of a lull where he's becoming more of a ball hog and not knowing when to release the ball, and more importantly, losing the ball too often. What have you seen uh, from Memphis's latest performances compared to what it was in the beginning when he was scoring those goals? Yeah, I would agree with your assessment, Gabriel. I think he had a great start and the goals obviously help to boost confidence. And it's just, it, it, it's difficult to judge perhaps um, um, with Barcelona. At, at, at times, you know, they, they do, they, they can still turn it on against um, even quality teams. Like remember the the, uh, the opening game of the season against Real Sociedad, you know, a quality rival and they put on a, a great performance. But um, he definitely has struggled um, in recent weeks. He's um, lost a little bit of his uh, of his groove for sure. As you say, he's hanging on the onto the ball for too long, making mistakes. Uh, obviously, he loses the ball for the for the opening goal. Something interesting I I saw watching the highlights back just now. You see, you know, so many things when you're watching the game, sure. especially uh, you know in a sort of bar situation. Obviously, I wasn't drinking yesterday, but but still, you know, you're surrounded by people, you're, you're distracted a little bit. One of the things I noticed watching back uh, was that just before um, Madrid's second goal, uh, the ball comes to Memphis uh, in the left hand side of the Madrid area, and he has a wonderful chance to hit a shot first time. Uh, and he just uh, holds it back and then plays the ball across to the middle and uh, Coutinho fluffs it uh, and then Madrid break and they score. 
you'd think a striker with confidence, a forward with confidence, would have hit that first time, and and he should have. So that was another mistake, and ultimately costly as well because Madrid went up at the other end and and scored the goal. So yeah, things not quite happening for for Memphis at the moment, and um, but sort of synonymous with with the whole team. I mean, even. Even Ansu Fati, I mean, so much expected of him since he's come back and, you know, came back really well from injury. And um, and yesterday, not much really. But also I feel that Barca didn't really create enough spaces or, or, or generate enough situations for him to, to cause um, danger and, and problems for um, for Madrid's defence. I mean, Madrid had Lucas Vasquez at right back. You know, they were... Uh, Possibly there for the taking as well, and I think with a, a better coach would have seen that. And because the lineups come out an hour before the game, uh, and there's time still to plan. You can't imagine a, a Thomas Tuchel or a Guardiola or a Klopp not exploiting um, that situation. Ansu uh, against Lucas Vasquez, but I think they only uh, Barca only managed to get Ansu up against Lucas Vasquez once in the entire ninety minutes. So I think it also comes down to, to coaching as well, and, and players can look better. Uh, if the team plays better, and uh, it's also uh, a midfield issue. Yeah, you brought out a, an excellent point because that's where I was going to go next was the Lucas Vasquez situation. Now, in the lineup before the match, he put Memphis on the left, on the middle. This was going to be kind of my next thing about this is that I feel that they didn't exploit that situation enough. And like you said, as a striker – with Memphis's speed and so forth, I feel like he's not taking enough shots or taking enough opportunities on those counters, trying to wait for the brigade to come back, you know, and to pass it around. I think that that's one of the issues that's going on with this attack, you know, especially against Lucas Vasquez. How many times did he become, you know, vulnerable? I don't really think it was a situation because Barca were walking that corner, you know, moving it around a little bit, but they never put direct pressure on Lucas Vasquez. Do you think, I mean, this is another issue that I have with this team too, is that, I've, you know, if you compare the David Alaba shot where he was on the edge of the box and Barca just still continue never to take these type of shots on the edge of the box, which still a good shot I, to lead to this toothless attack that's happening, right? Because Barca always want to continue to have the most pretty goal, but also just like as we talk about Memphis a little bit more, you know, compared to the beginning of the season where he was taking those shots from those angles and beating goalkeepers with power and angles, and he's just not doing that lately. Is that something that maybe Memphis just needs to shoot more and just get that out of the system? Yeah, I think so, Gabriel. And that's one of the things I liked about Dest, actually. Obviously, he missed that wonderful chance that we talked about, but he does shoot. And uh, he had that uh, effort later on in the game uh, from just outside the box or, or right on the edge of the box where he hit it, uh, a shot which uh, fizzed just over the bar. A really good effort. And yeah, I think I feel like Barcelona need to do more of that. And um, Busquets, after the game, said about Alaba's goal, it was a shot, it wasn't a move. And uh, that, for me, is um, sort of a strange thing to say. Yeah. As if, I, I mean, I understand, you know, Barcelona uh, have been playing a certain way for a long time, and, and that's the that that's the the, the idea, uh, the ideal um, sort of philosophy for them but at the same time you you need to mix it up and uh you know they all count in the same way you know so uh if you can have long shots and and have success that way then do it because it's something that that perhaps also haven't done well enough um in recent years and certainly not in the classical so players like like memphis that you mentioned 
have that in their locker, then uh, yeah, try it a bit more. And um, it's difficult, obviously, to to beat Madrid's defense, to beat uh, Courtois from distance. Um, but I think you need to mix it up, especially in, in a classical. So uh, yeah, that's not the kind of uh, thing I, I think Barcelona fans would want to hear yeah, uh, yeah, from yeah. Busquets after the game. Yeah, that's the other. I mean, especially with you know having Vasquez, who's not a defender. I mean, that's. I was telling my friend watching the match. I was like, that is where Barca need to exploit. That is the key to this match of where they're going to be able to get some attacking and so forth. I guess you know, especially this season, especially without Messi and relying on Messi's goal scoring, we have tried. Uh, you know, Barca has tried to do the possession game as they've done before to try to get these beautiful goals, and it's just not working. The, their goals are down compared to last season, obviously with the Messi factor. But I just want them to, whenever they have a counter, just go, right? I feel like a lot of times they just continue to wait. And as we talk about with Memphis not having the shot, and I think that would have led to a little bit more opportunities, especially on the left side, where they could have exploited Vasquez's lack of ability on defending. And like you said, like a Tuchel or Pep would have looked at that and would have been salivating at that opportunity to exploit that. And I just feel like Kuman again is underwhelming with his tactics and I hate to pile on this but it's just like in these matches it's a clear matchup problem for Madrid and they were able to hide it and just get the points and like you said a goal is a goal doesn't matter how pretty it is or how powerful it is it's still it's still worth the same that's right yeah and I think you know Lucas Vasquez at right back is something that that could have been exploited and, and wasn't. And Kuman ultimately, if you look at his record in the big games, he hasn't won a Clásico yet. I think Barca have won, uh, sorry, Madrid have won the last two at Camp No, the last yep. four in a row now. Uh, yeah, but, he's, but he's, he said after the game, they're coming close. So he's happy with that. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I, if you look at the, the, the actual chances, uh, yes, you know, Barca did have chances. And on a different day, maybe they go in. And maybe the result is different, but I think also you have to focus on on how the team is, is actually playing uh, and the performance, and we need to look at that. And ultimately, it wasn't good enough. Madrid looked comfortable pretty much throughout the the ninety minutes, especially after they went ahead. You know, Barca had a lot of the ball, but they did they didn't really do anything with it. And uh, and then Madrid had more possession, and it's getting towards the end of the game. You think, well, maybe Barca will get an equalizer. But it's more likely that that Madrid will score a second. That's what happened. And then and then obviously the the constellation later on. But it's it's too late. It's not good enough from Kuman. It's reactive, and you know ultimately that the team is not moving the ball. You talked about fitness, and and that is I would say an issue. But also you know circulating the ball faster. Obviously the players missing. Uh, Pedri was out. Dembele would have been useful. Uh, Aguero would have maybe not fit enough to to play the ninety minutes, um, but you know still with with those players on the pitch, you move the ball around faster, give Madrid more to think about, and and like you say, go on the attack, just go shoot early, you know, surprise y- your opponents, and um, Barcelona weren't doing that. So uh, I do th- yeah think um, coaching is an issue, and I've always thought that with Kuman ever since he took over, and uh, you know he's really. If you look at his record as Barcelona coach, they've beaten the teams they would be expected to beat anyway as Barcelona uh, and, and lost to all the big teams, including in the Clásicos. So you can say, uh, yeah, we're getting closer. But, you know, Barcelona were at home. And uh, this also was the first Clásico in, in in some time uh, that in which, you know, a full crowd was allowed. Yeah. So, uh, you know, 
with 80 plus thousand fans um, supporting you at home, you should be taking the initiative and, and performing a lot better uh, against Real Madrid. And ultimately, and they didn't do that. So, um, yeah, excuses really. Yeah, last thing on this attack, Barca's attack. Do you think it's better to have Memphis up the middle as the number nine as opposed on the left side? Because I've heard some, you know, especially with Ansu coming back healthy, that we could see Ansu going up the middle. I mean, what do you think? Do you think Memphis being up the middle is a better fit for him? Or do you see him on the left and Ansu up the middle? What do you think? I'd like to see Ansu given a run, actually, up the middle. I think uh, that could be interesting. And um, we saw the value of um, of a, a real number nine when Aguero came on. And obviously, you know, the, the goal was was good and uh, good play by Dest as well. Um, but I think uh, try, try Ansu as a number nine. Uh, because Aguero, I think, is probably going to be an, an impact player, not um, not first choice. And and with Depay, uh, it's a difficult one. I mean, performances obviously have dipped, uh, but I think ultimately he's probably better uh, on the wing. Try um, try those two together. I don't know. I just again, I think it it, it also comes down to midfield play, uh, chance creation, and uh, you know without. Messi, everybody looks poorer yeah. in that team. Yeah, ultimately, yeah. Uh, De Jong wasn't properly fit. We know that, and um, Ansu finished with some kind of knee issues at the end. We hope that that's nothing serious after his long layoff. But I think if you play better in midfield, and this is where you come back to positional play and and passing, uh, slick passing, movement. If you do all of that better, you're going to create more spaces. And then you're going to see uh, a, a better Memphis. You're going to see a better Ansu, and, and everybody improves. So um, it's all re- all related to that. And I thought actually Coutinho, you know, a much maligned figure, uh, actually improved Barcelona when he came on quite a lot. So maybe you know, with Messi now uh, gone, maybe Coutinho uh, has a role to play at Barcelona as well. Like you said before, I want to see a little bit more street attacking football sometimes you know sometimes Mm -hmm. you just got to go back to when you were a kid and just kind of make a move and hit a shot and go from there and I think that's some of the things that's lacking with Barca's attack that's interesting I would like to see Ansu I mean what do you have to lose right playing him up the middle and just seeing what you have especially Memphis on the left to maybe use that angle now I'm usually not a hot take person but (laughs) but uh really quick actually this news just came by that Pedri is going to be out longer. He's going to have an MRI. So that's really bad news for Barca. It seems that his quadriceps injury is a lot more serious. So that's really unfortunate because he's obviously one of the bright spots for Barca's midfield that you just talked about. But really quick, I'm not a hot take guy. Frankie has played, Frankie Young has played a significant number of games for Barca now. It's not his first season. I know he's still a young player, but is just are we just going to get these type of performance of De Jong and what we saw in Ajax was just a glimpse of possibility in that moment because I'm starting to wonder now if Frankie De Jong's midfield play is just going to top out of what we're seeing week in and week out. What do you think? I don't know. I, obviously, when De Jong signed for Barca, he was kind of um, billed as the most exciting midfielder in Europe for after that great season at Ajax when they yeah. went to the Champions League semi-finals and, and he was outstanding but that was also playing a, a specific role in 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 a very uh, exciting young team you my hope i guess when kuman came in one of the positives 
in theory about Koeman was that he knew De Jong and he knew, you know from the Dutch national team and he knew how to get the best out of De Jong. It hasn't quite happened. Uh, obviously, yesterday he's carrying an injury, and that's restrictive. It's it's obviously perhaps you know part of the reason why he didn't perform as well as he can. Um, but it, no, it hasn't quite happened. I agree. Um, still young, still time. Um, I guess. I suppose one of the one of the one of the other questions with uh, De Jong is that you know should he be is he better playing as a pivot is it is it because he should be in Busquets' position obviously Busquets remains important to, to Barcelona yeah. and you, you wouldn't drop him I'm not suggesting that but but if you take a player out out of their their best position then um, then maybe that, that that's part of the reason I know he didn't play quite that role at Ajax slightly different. So, um, yeah, it, it probably comes down to coaching. But um, I think he'll come good. It's just, uh, it's been a while though, hasn't it? It's been a while. No, yeah. I mean, it's it's 74 matches now for Barca in total. So, I mean, we're talking now, you know, quite a, quite a sample of games. And the other thing too is I can only remember maybe a run of maybe three or four matches, maybe not last year, but maybe at the end of Setien's year, you know, where he was coming good, you know, where you're like, okay, there he is. Yeah. But again, um, I just think he's a better kind of, like you said, natural for Busquets position. And unfortunately, it's kind of the same thing. I know he had an injury yesterday. You know, he came out of the, the game with a hamstring injury. Again, another thing with the fitness of this team with injuries and rehab and also before I want to get to the last part of our our, our conversation for that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm worried because I was super excited. I've been a, a huge fan of his, especially rewatch. I'm, I'm always trying to analyze of like, what are we missing here? Because he was so brilliant in that Champions League run for Ajax. And I just, is it really just because he was in the system and just had less responsibility of just going forward? Is it really just that simple? And like, why can't Kuman or other coaches just put him in that kind of same surroundings to get the most out of him? Because like you said, better midfield performance gives more opportunities up front, hence more goals. Hopefully you get more wins. That's right. You know, the one thing maybe you would say is that if you look back at that Ajax midfield, it's it was a team of of workers and you know, and playing next to uh, Busquets, you know, for all his qualities, um, you know, he, he's not never going to be yeah, the player yeah. who covers the most ground. Uh, you know, physically, he's he he's not um, the best. So uh, yeah, perhaps it, it's more difficult if given the way Barcelona play. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I would love, you know, especially watching the Liverpool-Man U game, I would love Barca to go after uh, Van de Beek because he's just rotting away there. I think that's a could be a good partnership again uh, with De Jong and de Beek. Last thing I want to talk about, because I know how much you love fitness, hmm. is Barca's fitness below par. For example, like, again, I keep going back to this, watching the Liverpool matches, seeing the night and day of just the intensity. You know, like you said, Coutinho comes into the second half. There is an intensity that comes. It, you know, the play was brought up and all of a sudden, but it like lasted for 10 minutes, eight minutes or so. And then all of a sudden it really dropped off. I know obviously playing and just sports and different things, it's really difficult to keep that intensity. It's, you're asking someone to, mm. you know, full court sprint and stuff. But at the same time, if, you know, you're only as good as the team is, right? Uh, pressing and moving together. And I just feel there's, an absence of that of fitness. I know that Barca was never the fastest team, you know, even in the glory years, they were never the fastest, but it was all 10 of them moving together 
that felt like they were faster than the one person. Do you think there's something lacking with Barca's fitness leading to this, especially like with the injuries we're seeing? Is there something that needs to be looked at with this team? Because like Pedri's injured, now we see De Jong injured, the rehab that's taking even longer. And, you know, we think that Barca has all this innovation and so forth, but I just feel like they're still missing the mark on how to train players and more importantly, rehab them correctly. Because now, you know, especially with Dembele and all these players, what, what, what is your, your opinion on this? I think you're right, Gabriel. You talk about Pedri and the thing with Pedri getting injured is that you look back now, the, just the sheer quantity of games that he played over the last year and you think that's too much, isn't it? You know, that's, that's far too much. And now he's, he's out injured and probably for a while. And it's it's probably a consequence of that, isn't it? Let's be honest. In terms of fitness, I think you're right. You know, um, one of the things I always uh, that always occurs to me when I watch the classical is that Madrid just seem a bit fitter and a bit stronger, and they're able to bully Barca um, in in just uh, in duels in 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 challenges. And there's obviously there's an aerial advantage as well but that's that's not something that the, the Barca have ever yeah. been particularly strong at but yeah you know they bully them and that's what happens to Barca in Europe you look at the games against Bayern against PSG Liverpool it's um a recurring theme and uh, yeah I think Barca could be a bit fitter they could be a bit stronger and that would definitely help in in games like this so uh, I do think it's an issue definitely yeah, it's a good point. Because the thing is, you know, it's almost kind of like, you know, when you're looking at your team, it's always about guerrilla warfare. What are we good at? What can we exploit? And I just feel like, like you said, Madrid, you know, for the most part, are usually bigger, stronger, that type. But like, I feel that Barca could work on the fitness to be intense for longer than 10 minutes, you know, because we saw in the beginning of the game, when Barca was high pressing, pressing, Madrid was surprised. But then all of a sudden, you just knew naturally it was going to come off. And we never were able to replicate that. And again, I just think that has something to do with the fitness, just the overall fitness of the team. Because I feel like we never have the ability lately to go forward. And this goes back to Memphis attacking, the counterattack, and so forth. It's all included in the performance of the Classico. I mean, that's really what it is. Of course. Yeah. You know, there's, there's like a couple minor moments. You have to make the most of those minor moments. And if you don't, you lose the three points. And like you said... This is the fourth straight Classico that Barca's lost. And that's incredible, especially after all the work of trying to catch up to Madrid for wins and losses now in the Classicos. And now it just seems like lately, like we just don't have the answer. And more importantly, it's just, it's unfortunately not fun to watch as a Barca fan. I mean, it's really difficult to watch. I mean, I'm trying to be positive and support the team and so forth. I really am happy about the youngsters getting time. But man, aesthetically, I could not change the game fast enough to watch a Liverpool match in Man U, which was, you know, a, a barn burner. You know, that that's the way football yeah. should be played, in my opinion, now. Yeah, this is it. You know, even when Barca had the ball yesterday and they had quite long spells of possession, but they just they didn't seem to, to get anywhere with it. And going back to the, the topic of fitness, I think it's interesting, if you look back to Guardiola's Barcelona, which is the um, the pinnacle of yeah. this, this sort of last, this great era, last sort of 15 years or so, and that team was incredibly fit. All right, a lot of the players were were younger, and it featured a young Messi and uh, a much younger PK and and others. Busquets. But that, Busquets, yeah, again. But that team was relentless. I mean, obviously they had the ball, and they had the ball for like seventy percent uh, of games. But that in itself uh, requires incredible fitness just to be able to keep the ball um, for 
such long periods. And if you remember, when they lost the ball, uh, the pressing was insane. They would win it back. Um, the, the, the aim was to win it back was it within, say, five seconds. And so often they would do that. They would lose the ball and then you would see they would all two, three players would surround uh, the, the opponent and they'd win it back just quickly. And um, that, that's definitely something which has disappeared from Barca's game. I mean, that's and a perfect point. Enormously. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's a perfect point because when I think of Pep's teams, I never think that they're not fit, right? Mm. Like you look at Man City, it's like, you know, maybe the tactics here or there are off a little bit, maybe for big games, but I never say to myself, look, they're going to be outrun. Like, no, like never. Like he has, he does such a phenomenal job of running. And that's what I think is lacking, especially now, like you said, with Busquets and PK that are older now, how can we maximize them? You know, I don't know, man, it's just, it's such a quandary because there's all these little, you know, pu puzzle pieces that end up to the, you know, major performance of all this stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have any last thoughts about the Clasico uh, before we go. No, really, I, you know, I don't think it was a high quality Clasico by any means. And um, ultimately, either side could have won. Uh, yeah. Madrid, Madrid, I just think, are a little bit closer to where they want to be at the moment than Barcelona. And that would be sort of my... My overall thoughts. I I just think Barca aren't really progressing under Kuman. Uh, whereas I think Madrid, even though they they've had some sketchy results of late, um, they're probably closer to where they want to be. And over a, uh, still a long way to go. But over over the course of a season, I, I I think there's probably more chance of them being successful than Barcelona. We'll see. I mean, this is the thing is that Madrid just know how to scrap and get points. And I just feel that carries over from the Zidane era to this era now with Ancelotti part two. Again, you know, like you said, they didn't play the best match. They've been struggling up and down for the couple matches. Four straight Clasicos. I mean, you can't argue with that. So, yeah, that's something that's always been said, isn't it? That Madrid can win leagues and, and can win trophies um, just because they're Madrid, because they know how to to see it through and to, to get the results. Whereas Barca, to win the big prizes, they need to play well. And that's been a feature throughout Barcelona's history. Luis Enrique changed it a little bit. Valverde changed it a little bit, but with a high-quality team as well. Um, but certainly at the moment, it's, it's not quite happening. And you know, With the position they had yesterday, they should have done more. For me, I mean, the, the game was there to be won for either team, really. And Madrid just did enough. Well, Ben, thanks for joining me. And as always, we'll talk soon. My pleasure, Gabriel. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.